Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. Hello there, healthcare humans. Thank you so much for coming back for another episode of The Other Human in the Room. So I'm back in my van driving to work and I think I'm just gonna release this as a little bonus one um, because there's just been this theme that's coming up a lot in many spaces where I am, whether it's in the group coaching program that I'm um, hosting now, whether it's with individual clients, whether it's with friends, whether it's with family and just sort of the world, um, which is that there's a lot of distress out there. And I think the thing that I want to really like speak out and hold space for is grief. And um, this is my first podcast about grief. It's a really common theme. (laughs) It came through even on the podcast that was released on Monday. And I just want to like kind of talk more specifics of how I process grief, hold space for grief, especially I'm going to call it like impossible grief, like the, the kind of grief where you're like, how could I ever be done grieving it because it feels too big. It feels too much. Right. So like, um, this week, uh, something that, um, has been unfolding across the world is more lives lost and more horrific events happening to humans in Israel, Palestine. Um, and I'm sure in many other corners of the globe, other horrors unfold in, in my life, um, just actually in my, in my clinical work, there's been a series of sad surprises, (laughs) whether an unexpected death of a patient or unexpected turn of events, or even like an expected, but dreaded turn of events for a patient, you know? And, um, I've been noticing that, um, there's been an invitation by my body to grieve a lot. And um, so I know a lot of us aren't quite sure how to grieve. Even maybe some of us have experienced lots of tragedy in our lives, or if you haven't experienced this personal tragedy, if you work in healthcare, like one of the things is that we bear witness to some of the worst days of other people's lives a lot of the time, right? And so we are in close contact with, other people's grief and because we are human beings and human beings are innately social creatures that that mirror and and absorb the emotions of each other frankly um other people's grief can become our grief very easily um and i think the the first thing i want to say about it is that it doesn't have to be a problem I know grief feels, can feel really scary. It can feel 
unwelcome and unpleasant and painful even. Um, and I think especially the first thing I just said there that grief feels scary, that is optional. I think for a lot of us, we have felt grief to be scary because it has felt uncontrollable. It has felt isolating. It has felt like there isn't space to actually know what to do with it. So that's what I kind of wanted to talk through some of what I've discovered about what to do with grief. <laughs> um, so it doesn't have to feel scary when it arrives. Just like other sensations that sometimes we can feel annoyed at because we prefer they didn't happen at the particular moment in time, whether it's like fatigue or sleepiness at the end of the day, you're like, wait, no, it's some got stuff to do, but I'm so tired, so annoying. But like, you don't have to feel scared of feeling tired. We know it's inevitable. We know it comes for us <laughs> most nights for most of us, right? And that's, I almost wonder if, if we all collectively understood that grief is part of the deal. Like I think of, um, one of my absolute all time favorite shows is the good place the TV show. And something that's said in there is like one of the things that makes humans human is that we all feel a little bit sad all of the time because we know that, um, life is not forever. We know that our lives have, um, a, a point where they will end like the, the knowledge of the temporary nature of our lives means we walk around with a little bit of sadness in us all the time. And I think, what if we like just knew that and honored that and, and didn't fight back against it and didn't try and resist the truth of it, you know, um, even that I think would help when the bigger grief comes, when then we see not just a reminder of our mortality, but, you know, a reminder of the ways that we as humans can be absolutely horrific to one another, where nature um, can sweep us away, you know, whether it's a virus or a natural disaster or whatever. Like when these things happen that are larger scale about our not just our mortality, but about how we can lose sight of each other's mortality, lose sight of the value of each other's lives. You know, um, I think it does start with understanding that grief is a part of the deal, that grief is something to expect to practice probably every day in some small number. Sometimes it'll be a day where you're sad because they got your coffee order wrong. And we don't have to say that's silly or wrong or like beat ourselves up for feeling grief about that. And it'll probably, I imagine, feel smaller, but sometimes not, right? And we definitely don't have to feel like, you know, sad or, I don't know, scared or silly or ashamed of feeling sad about things that feel bigger to us, right? Even if it's like, well, no one else feels this sad or if people are feeling, they're, they're not feeling sad, they're, they're seeming to be feeling angry or you know, these other emotions that can come up. The thing I want to say is underneath all of the anger and blaming and shaming, that is absolutely part of the current conversation. Um, 
about many things, frankly. Think of the pandemic and then any global conflict, anything. None of that is wrong or evil per se. And underneath a lot of it, especially the, a lot of it that has a lot of urgency and intensity, there's absolutely grief. You know, bringing it um, back into like the healthcare realm, like the cases where we cannot stop fixating on who is to blame and who's going to get in trouble and who's right and who's wrong, you know, underneath there is grief to find if you look for it. It could be the grief of, I thought I would have more answers in this job. I thought this job would be easier. Maybe there's grief of, I really wish people never suffered the way I'm seeing this patient suffer. Maybe it's grief of, oh man, this healthcare system is not kind. <laughs> I'm, or I'm witnessing one piece of this healthcare system be really unkind to me, to my patient. Oh man, there's not enough of us here. That is worthy of grief, right? Oh man, I'm watching people suffer needlessly in the sense of if there were more of us, if it was better resourced, then it's possible this person's suffering would already be lessened. Oh man, they haven't made a drug for this that helps without causing harm. Crap, shit, fuck, you know, like, oh no, like, whatever the thing is, under a lot of the times where we tend to turn either inward to blame or outward to blame, or most of us it's oscillating back and forth and asking it a question of who's to blame, whether it's healthcare or politics or anything else. Underneath that question is grief. And the thing I have found to be really consistently true is I am unable to find wisdom of what the next right step is for me, how I could possibly help, how I could support myself and others through a painful time. I, I have to metabolize my own grief first. I have to compost it down. I have to hold it deep inside of me and, and turn it into something good, you know, and understand it was always good to begin with. Um, and so how do I actually do that? <laughs> um, some of it's going to sound kind of basic, but the basics are usually, it's not that fancy. It's not fancy, but it is uncomfortable. And so a lot of us spend time instead seeing if, you know, spending time in righteous anger will help. And it helps for a while until it doesn't. Um, if scrolling to numb out or watching or reading something that, that helps shift your emotions sort of artificially because of the strength of the storytelling and, you know, takes you on a ride and that's not wrong. That's a, that's a beautiful respite to give yourself. And if the grief's still there underneath, when you come back to reality, it's letting, that's your body letting you know that they have something that really needs to be metabolized, that needs to, to be yeah, broken down into its nourishing parts and then the rest released. Metabolized. It's, it's, it's kind of metabolized and composted. I'm, I almost like 
better these days for words of instead of processing emotion processing kind of it feels like you're on an assembly line or something right metabolized or composted speak to how things take time and that and that and that end outcome will be that some of what is unhelpful unnecessary and maybe harmful will be released from your body you know just like when you metabolize something that's what happens yeah um, and and there will be nourishing nuggets in the middle of it that can help make it worth it to move through so like I said the first the first thing is to speak it out loud to just give the grief a voice whether you text a friend whether you share with a colleague, you know, whether you seek out a therapist, you know, there's a reason grief counseling exists. It's humans who are trained to hold space for other humans to just release everything that feels bottled up because our society is so grief phobic and you're supposed to just get over it or get mad about it. And there's no space for just feeling how sad you are about it. And I just, that really has to come first. And so, there's, there are some spaces though, and it can be hard, I acknowledge, but like finding spaces for that is so important. If you really feel like you have no one, you can always DM me or email me, okay? And I will hold space through those devices um, imperfectly, but best I can for your grief. I'm good with that. Because the thing I've learned about my own grief is, um, you know, Walt Whitman, I am large, I contain multitudes. Each of us actually is larger than we think inside. Each of us can hold space for more than we know, especially when we realize we don't have to hold it forever like it's becoming like a storage locker, like a hoarder of all the griefs we've had. Actually, we can hold space for it to alchemize, metabolize into a new thing, and then that will leave space for whatever comes next, you know? And so when I'm speaking it out, to someone else and even just to myself I'm just like okay I, maybe I'm journaling maybe I'm talking out loud maybe I'm making a podcast about it <laughs> hello right now um, what I like to do they're saying the words of it of this is how I feel I'm sad about this when I when I'm sad about this I feel scared about this and sort of telling the story of it and that's important honor especially if it feels like it's just like a total bottleneck traffic jam of words in your brain like those need to be spoken out and shared and released from your body and the second place to really metabolize the grief is in your body by feeling where do you feel your grief when you feel it for me it's in my chest and in my throat they feel heavy and sore like an ache like it's not sometimes it's sharp sometimes it's stabbing but more often it's this ache, this heaviness. And my whole body feels slower. It feels like, it can feel like it's even made of cement if it's a really heavy grief. And I, I just wanna name for you that it, it would be important for you to name, what does grief feel like in your body? Are you familiar of what she feels like to you? Because remember, it's the same as recognizing when you feel hungry or when you feel tired, it's useful to be fluent in what and how in how your body speaks to you, including times of grief, so that you can more not quickly in like an efficiency way, but just um, more smoothly. I don't know, so that you can recognize what is here for you to be doing 
in, in, inside of what you're feeling instead of feeling overwhelmed or numb or just like flooded, right? So it's like, what's here? Is grief here? Usually if there's a lot of feelings, grief is one of them. It's just like hot tip, truly, you know? And so feeling it and then asking yourself as you feel those emotions, if it feels overwhelming, always first, you know, check into the parts of you that actually feel the grief less intensely, which parts of your body actually don't feel so cementy, feel so achy, feel so painful. You know, for me, those pinky toes and those earlobes are two places where even when the rest of me is racked with grief, often there's less grief in those places. Another spot to look, look for is like, wherever you have contact with the ground. So like if you're standing in your feet, if you're sitting, you know, your whole sort of backside and even the back of your, you know, your back itself, if you're leaning at something, often those places, because they're physically being supported, they have more capacity for support within them. I, I've noticed that they feel less heavy. They feel less distressed. That's an important part of metabolizing the grief is to recognize that you're not actually completely full of it. You're, there are parts of you that are ready and able to sort of hold space and have space for the rest. Um, and maybe that sounds weird to picture, but I, I invite you to just try it out. So when you're feeling really grievy, when you're feeling full of grief, where does it feel most intense? And what does that feel like? And sort of describe that to yourself and honor that. And then where does it feel least intense? Which part of you, of your physical being, feels maybe okay, it's not in the vocabulary, but that feels lighter, that feels safer, that feels more resourced, more supported. And even the simple practice of noticing that and then noticing the painful part and then noticing the resourced part and then noticing, and, and really like, they, um, it's a technique called pendulation that I've learned from a somatic practitioner I'm in a group with and just noticing that there are two parts of you and one of them is, is kind of doing better than the other. It, it can bring this sort of integration feeling to you where it's almost as if the part of you that's more resourced is able to share its okayness with the rest of you, not to like shush it, but just to, to offer it this offer the grief part, the support it needs to move through the grief. Yeah. And one thing I found as you move through the grief in that way, where you're really feeling it all the way through and you're, you're being resourced by other parts of you. And if you on your own doing this doesn't feel safe enough, I mean, having someone to do it with you is a really beautiful and healing thing, right? So they don't have to be a somatic practitioner per se. They're someone who's just, you're like, can you just listen to me? And I'm just going to share with you how I'm feeling and don't try and fix it. Okay. And don't try and at least anything, just like listen and say, thank you for sharing or whatever, you know, and then just like sharing how it feels in your body with that person. One thing I've noticed as I do that, it happened this morning. I was, I was feeling sad this morning and I, I was sharing with my husband and you know, he, we've done enough of these conversations that he knows not to fix. And so he just asked like, how do you feel? Where does, you know, what feels hard? Is there anything else? Tell me more, you know, just like things like that. 
and me like sharing it all out, then I felt a bit clearer and cleaner. And one thing I've noticed when I get to sort of the core of what's within the grief, when I'm metabolizing the grief and I'm letting go of the parts that aren't mine. So, you know, the part where I feel responsible for things outside of my control, the part where I, I realize I'm trying, I'm trying to control people or things to help me feel safer. And that that's just not working so well because I am unable to control said people or things, you know? So I'm metabolizing all of that and that's, you know, lifting a little bit. At the center, the, the nourishing center of grief is love. Same with fear, same with all of it actually. But like grief being one of those, like the reason I grieve so, so acutely is because I love so acutely. I grieve so deeply because I love so deeply. And getting to the center of that and sitting with, oh man, I love these people. I love this planet. I loved that patient. I love this job. And I, I, I am, it is hard to lose what you love. It is hard to see something or someone you love in deep pain and suffering themselves. That is hard. And I still choose love, you know, that's often where I get to when I metabolize my grief. I don't know if that'll be the journey for you. You let me know if you do it. Um, some other things kind of practically speaking is, you know, when grief is in you, notice how your body feels slower. What if you honored that slowness best you can, even in teeny tiny little doses and you rush through the rest of your day, but you slow down for five minutes. And what if you at least didn't add to the load. So anything that doesn't need to be done during a time of grief, what if it can be left undone? What if, say um, it's a patient, you notice yourself continually looking at the chart and updating yourself, even though you're outside the situation or it's actually already passed and you're just, you keep bringing yourself back to that place over and over again. What if you let go of the notion you need to keep exposing yourself to the source of grief in order to somehow process it because it's not always the truth and with these big global griefs like what's happening you know in the world right now and what's been happening in some version of the world in different forms of different places forever right what and specifically i'm speaking to say watching the news watching social media one thing that i found to be deeply true for me that I'd invite you to check for yourself is really noticing how much you dose your exposure to those sources. Because I, I do have this sense that as human beings, our bodies are not really designed to hold this intense and personal of grief for so many different people across the planet. Like when you think about how many people we would have known back before technology existed, you know, our bodies are kind of still more designed for those times, right? Just like they're designed for, you know, having more food scarcity. So that's why sugar tastes so good. Like all those things, like same with sort of the number of people that likely we were intended, if you will, or that your, our body has capacity to sort of hold space for. 
It was like a small village, maybe, right? A, a new, a, an extended family, perhaps. And yet now with technology, we can be deeply, intimately in relationship with, even though we don't know, know them often, but our bodies don't know the difference. They feel as if they are in re- deep relationship with like everyone on the planet if we spend enough time online. And so that's like, it's a bit more of like an action oriented suggestion around grief, but I I think it's important um, to just name, at least notice what happens when you spend more time doom scrolling, if that terminology still feels correct. I know in the pandemic, I did a ton of it and man, I did not, it did not help me process my grief. I'll tell you that right now. It, it activated so much and kept me in such a survival, painful, horror-filled state. And I honor the version of me that felt like she had to do that. And I honor there's a version of you that feels like you, you can't stop doing that. That's okay. You're not bad or wrong. And when there's space to maybe take a little break and maybe go for a walk or talk with a friend or make yourself something yummy or whatever it is that for you helps you to remind yourself what is good about being alive, what is good about being a human right now here in this moment, that also reminds you that you are safe here right now in this moment, that there are threats to this world, that there are threats to our um, fellow humans, and that is to be grieved, and it is not the same as that threat being acutely right now happening to you and from that place of more safety and security and from being more resourced and remind and metabolizing the grief and finding the love at the center of it it's amazing what will come to you to do next instead of skipping and saying i gotta have do all the action up front the the first action is always to let the grief be metabolized all the way through and then when you're left with for me, it's love. You let me know what it is for you. Then I ask, you know, okay, so what does love want to do in this situation? Does love want to reach out to someone? Does love want to record a podcast? Does love want to meet every human I meet in this day? Embodying the world I wish we were living in, in which we don't ever let go of each other's humanity, you know, for me, those are some of the things that love is inviting me to do today. And so I'd ask you the same thing, you know, I'd, I'd invite you to consider what it would feel like and look like for you to spend some time metabolizing your grief, recognizing that you have grief and then metabolizing it, I guess. And then after it's metabolized and not like it's done forever, but after this particular wave is metabolized, notice what comes to you to do next. And it's something usually pretty beautiful and more than enough. That's for sure. Okay. Thanks to you all. Love to you all. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. I would love to take this work deeper with you. Visit joanchanmd.com today and discover my growing menu of options for restorative medical education to suit your learning needs. I offer one-on-one coaching 
customized workshops, and self-study courses that allow you to connect not only with my work on a deeper level, but also with other healthcare humans just like you. So if you want to start humanizing your work in healthcare to a deeper level and do it in community with others, please visit joanchanmd.com and find those options and what fits you and your life today.